Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Shuffle the Pack. I am one of your hosts, Gary Swan, and joining me, as always, on this weekly roundup is my co-host extraordinaire, the yes please to my no thank you, it's James Wagstaff. How are we doing, James? Yeah, I'm feeling good. Uh, obviously, another Packers win, getting very obviously used to saying that season, which is very good to say. Um, we're getting a bit festive now, obviously getting into the month of December, starting to think about, you know, St. Nick coming down the chimney in the non-too-distant future, so yeah, so getting excited. Yeah, no, it should be, it should be a good uh, good festive season. We've got what six games? No, can't count. Five games left. Five games left of the regular season. Four games four. left. Already. But yeah, we'll go with four. Four sounds about right. So we've got four games left of the regular season, and I'm pretty confident we could win all four of them to take the division. Yeah, I mean the Packers at this present moment in time are favoured, uh, at least from the bookie standpoint, in all four games. I think that the one that sticks out at the moment, probably say the most difficult, probably going to be that Titans game. They're obviously based on they're going to be right in the thick of the AFC playoff chase as well and they're going to go back and forth with the division with the Colts so that could be a huge game um, right at the end of the season but obviously don't want to count your chickens in, uh, before they've hatched so yeah it'll be interesting to see obviously how they get on this week against Lions. I think, I think it's fair to say that we are probably favourites for, for another 13-3 season and I can't see many stomping blocks in the, uh, in the playoffs when we get there. I don't think there's a juggernaut this season compared to what the 49ers last season. They obviously match up wise. The Packers matched up terribly uh, against the Niners. Run defense hasn't really been fixed, but obviously the 49ers are no longer in the contention. So I think that, yes, on their day, the Packers could arguably beat any of the teams in this NFC playoff mix. And obviously they can secure the number one seed, which they're very much in play for at this stage. They can play those games at Lambeau in the freezing cold January weather. It's certainly going to give us a, a great opportunity to make the first Super Bowl since, since 2010. Yeah, that, that'd be that'd be really nice because my my Packers fandom sort of started just a little while after that. My serious fandom started a little while after that. So I've, I've yet to see uh, a Packers Super Bowl. I mean, I've watched highlights and stuff, but it's not quite the same. You know, it's not quite the same. Um, right, so let's move straight on to the Packers uh, beating the Eagles 30-16. Talk me through it, James. What happened? Yeah, so it was... Um... Well, it's a rather strange game for, for, for a couple of reasons. Firstly, the sort of Packers started fairly slow. We, the, the Eagles managed to drive down the field, score a, a field goal relatively quickly, take a 3 nothing lead, which is quickly preceded by the, the Packers' offense going three and out. And you go, oh no, it's another home game against a supposedly lesser foe that the Packers haven't turned up for. That was quickly righted, but the defense last. Um, Wentz and then later Hurts throughout the performance and, and gave them back to, to Rodgers and, and then from that point the offence really started to, to, to cook but they scored sort of 23 unanswered points um, against the, the, the Eagles including Aaron Rodgers throwing his third touchdowns of the game and that was his 400th career touchdown pass to Devontae Adams I mean it wasn't much that he did on that throw it was much more Devontae managing to get to the outside and then stiff arm Darius Slay outside into the end zone. Um, Rogers will be very happy because he didn't, yeah, Adams did all the work, but the, no, nonetheless, it's an incredible achievement, obviously being the first in terms of number of games, the fastest player to ever get there. Um, and then the offense sort of went a little bit in, in the tank. The, the Eagles brought out Jalen Hurts um, as opposed to, to, to Wentz. Wentz was completely ineffective. He was getting absolutely smashed apart by, by the pass rush. Um, and they, they brought in Hurts, and, and he did provide a bit of a spark for them. 
led them on a touchdown drive um, to sort of bring the deficit back to sort of 23-10. Still looked like the game was in, in hand at that point. Only for the Packers' offense to sort of quieten it down a little bit, go three and out, and um, the special teams to have another disaster uh, with a, a punt return touchdown and J.K. Scott once again getting duked out of his shoes, which made the game all of a sudden that looked completely out in hand at 23 to three uh, into to, to a one score game. Thankfully, uh, Aaron Jones, you know, finding the form that we'd seen in the early portion of the season uh, and the, the back half of, of, of last season, sort of put on his closing um, outfit and, and decided he'd run the length of the field or seven, seven yards of it uh, to, to score a touchdown and, and put the game out, out of sight. So one of those games where really it should have been a very comfortable win and it, it did feel that way for, for the vast majority. But there is some concerning signs with the Packers letting the, the Eagles back into a game that, that would already been won only to have winning it for the second time. But they go over the line so it can't contain too much. Well, I see. I mean, like a few of the things you mentioned there, like the uh, the Aaron Jones touchdown. I mean, there's been quite a lot on uh, on the usual Green Bay Twitter. No meltdowns this week for a nice change. Um, but David Bakhtiari getting a lot of credit for his 77 yard sprint as well. Um, no one's really picking up that MVS made the same sprint. Obviously, like you, you, everyone loves to see a big man sprinting. But I think MVS deserves a little bit of credit on that play as well for doing the blocking at the same time. Um, the 400th touchdown as well. It was quite nice that it was Adams who caught it. Because Adams also caught the 200th touchdown, which I thought was quite a, a nice little coincidence, I suppose. And um, and yeah, I think J.K. Scott needs to get a bit more tackle practice in because that was against the Jags as well that he just absolutely shot out and uh, wasn't really worth the the boots he was playing in. Yeah, I can't sur- surmise that his madding tackling rating is going to be very high at this point. Uh, he's been absolutely shocking in both tackle attempts that he's had this season I mean that's not to say that the special teams as a collective have, have been very good the fact that they've let look, sort of two punt return touchdowns in the same season really is unheard of that doesn't happen very often in in a season that you, you give up two of those so to, to, to do that in sort of back-to-back home games uh, ultimately obviously there's a away game in, in between is, is, is concerning from, from the Packers point of view but um, yeah it's one of those you don't want that to come back on you later in the season against a overmatched Eagles team that that you should be beating. You know you, you've got enough to get over the line, but if you do that in the playoffs against your your, your Saints or, or your Buckets or, or your Rams, your Seahawks, whoever it may be, you might not be so lucky if you let them back into a game. So so that certainly is you know an area to be slightly concerned of moving forward. So leaving aside the the offense for a moment, the defense did all right against Carson Wentz, but in the aftermath of the game, well, see, Wentz was benched sort of like towards the end of the game anyway, but Hertz has now been named as a starter by Doug Peterson for next week. Mm-hmm. Have Did the Packers kill off Carson Wentz? Because he's got like a, I think it's a 34 million cap hit next year and then 25 or something the year after. Do they trade him away? Does he go back to Frank Reich, like Harrison said a couple of weeks ago on the pod? I mean, the absorbent amount of money that, that, that he's owed over the next couple of seasons makes any trade very unlikely, I think. I think that any team would be sort of crazy, really, to, to try and take on that contract at this point in time. I'm not saying that there wouldn't be potential interest by some of the teams in, in the league, but I just don't think anyone, based on how he's performed this season, would want to take on a contract of that size for the next few seasons. So I think it's unlikely that he's going to be sort of traded or cut. I think, I think he'll be in Philadelphia, whether or not 
he'll be the starter will probably likely be dictated by how well Hertz gets on between now and the end of the season. Uh, Doug Peterson has as yet refused to state who he will bring on as the full-time starter. He wants to see how Hertz gets on against the Saints, which, you know, as matchups go, playing came in, in relief uh, of, of when against the, the Packers, who are presently the, the two seed in the NFC, and then his first start is against Saints with the one seed and I've won arguably the best defences in the NFL so it's going to be a tough first uh, first start for him but you know that, that's where uh, he has to be stable and, and, and potentially make a name for himself so when angle I think that he, he just looks like he's broken uh, at this point in time we know he has the capability to be a good quarterback because we've seen him do that in the league but from what I saw he just takes far too long in the pocket, the amount of times that he just invited the pressure. This pass rush has been much maligned most of the season, and they struggled to get home against some some quarterbacks. But he was just waiting and waiting and for a receiver to come open, and they never did. And didn't throw the ball away, and ultimately that led to him getting hit an awful lot, seven times in the first half alone. Which you know, if your line is going to be as banged up as they are, and the receivers are going to be as poor as they are. You're not going to be able to get. We're going to have to get the ball out quick, and that's all doing this season. Do you think we're with Carson Wentz? Do you think it's like a mental thing because he had that that injury a few a couple in the Super Bowl season, and he was playing like MVP levels up to that point. Um, and he he did his 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 ACL or his MCL. He did it in like a really peculiar way. It wasn't like a, a tackle or anything. He just twisted funny or something. And he seems to be reluctant to make the runs that he used to make. Um, and I think. Maybe that's somewhere the back has said that he could do that, but he's so he's trying to give himself that option without the body being willing to follow through. Does that make sense? Yeah, he just looks like a player that, that is, as I say, completely devoid of confidence at this point. As I say, that on a receiving core angle, the talent isn't very good, and, and from an offensive line standpoint, you know, they've been very banged up this season, so they're constantly different guys in, and, and he has been under a lot of pressure. He, I think he'd been sacked more than three times in his last 11 games. That's a lot of hits that he's been taking. And no doubt that he, you know he's not going to be playing with the absolute confidence. He looks like a, a player that probably could do with a, a you know a good few weeks out of the, the starting lineup, let himself heal up, and 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 perhaps even you know wait till next season, have a full off season where he can work with his sort of QB coach and, and actually gain a bit of confidence on the field again. Uh, so yeah, I think he just looks like a bit of a, a bit shell shocked at this point. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's not looking good for him. Um, all over, though, I think we we had Phil on last week, and I think we all went for a a, a Green Bay win. So that's quite comforting. Um, right, so moving on from that, because I don't think there's much else to talk about. Now, I know you want to change up our next little segment here from NFC North Watch. Let's go. Let's let's change things up, James. What's happening? Yeah, so I, you call me arrogant. Call me a homer, call me whatever you want, but the Packers have won the NFC North. Although we're not not mathematical at this point, all we need is is a win this week against the Lions uh, and a Vikings loss, or any win in any week and, a, and another Lions loss, and the Packers will be your NFC North champion in 2020. So I'm going to call the NFC North this week for the Packers, uh, and we're going to start to focus on more important stuff, you know, why we get out of bed, and then that's the, the playoffs, and, and that's the, the run towards the, the Lombardi, ultimately speaking. So from this point forth, or until the end of the regular season at least, this, will, this segment will be named the, the NFC 
watch. Uh, we'll be keeping a very close tab on all the goings on up at the upper seeds of the playoffs. So with, with that in mind, we want to obviously have a look at the teams that will be vying for that number one seed. Obviously, why that's so crucial this season is the fact that that's the only seed that we'll actually get a bye week. Um, this is obviously last season. Packers finished with the two seed and they got the luxury of a bye then. But with the, the change to seven teams making it, it's only the number one seed that's going to get that, that crucial bye. So we'll be tracking that very closely. All right. So obviously we are currently number two and number one is the Saints. So how do you see the playoff picture falling out from here? Because the Seahawks have seemed to have dropped off a little bit. Uh, Cardinals were strong early season, but they've dropped off a little bit. I'm not even going to bother mentioning the NFC East outside of Washington beating the Steelers uh, the other night because that was just spectacular. Um, that was Alex Alex Smith technically on no legs because he got cleated at one point and his leg was just pissing blood. And uh, and yeah, so who's who do you think is going to be top four, should we say? Yeah, so, so from a seeding, a seeding standpoint, that loss for the Seahawks, it, it does loom very large. Obviously, they're at home against the, the Giants been you know pretty poor all season although they had they strung together a few wins against some pretty poor opposition everyone had their coupon marked for, for the Seahawks at home against the Giants and obviously that didn't turn out to be the case it, it does mean that the Packers move up to the two seed they were actually the three seed uh, behind the, the Seahawks going into to, to last week so it is a big um, big result for the Packers and their potential playoff hopes and it does really open things up for for the Packers get it, to get the one seed big matchup from a that, that Packers fans and Saints looking at is is actually next week and um, the, the the Saints they host to the, the Chiefs in what well it's a cracking matchup no doubt but it, it does mean that that you'd argue that there's a very good chance that the Saints could drop at least one more of their game which is all the Packers need for them to do it and they win out to actually grab that one seed because they obviously beat them in week three, so we've got that head to head. So that's a, a game that I've certainly got ringed in my uh, ringed in my diary. Obviously, Packers need to take care of their end of the bargain, but um, that that one's looming very very large at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I, for for me, I, I can I can only see like, as you said, like the, the Saints have the Chiefs next week. Um, so for me, if if the Packers win out, like we expect them to do, like the only sort of like sticky game could be the Titans, like you said earlier. Um, I make us not uh, favourites for that number one seed in that all all crucial bye week, and then getting the games at an ice cold, freezing, shitty, windy, horrible weather Lambo. That is going to be the extra the extra oomph that we need, I think, to get like a deep playoff run and hopefully championship game, and then the Super Bowl. That would be the ideal. Yeah, I mean that that's the the, the dream, also to speak. I mean, at the moment, uh, five thirty eight. That they presently have the the Packers at thirty three percent chance of, of getting that first round by they've presently got the Saints um, at, at a 64% chance as I say Packers can uh, jump as I say win out then you feel that they've got a very very good chance to, to earn that, that, that by alright um, yes yeah, so I'll, I'll and joining us this week's super special we have Taib Abu who is a, a Lions fan for his sins um, Taib, talk us through the Lions season, mate. What's uh, what's gone wrong? What's gone right? Um, just, just I, I, I think, I think ultimately, Mark Patricia was never. If he couldn't have make it work this season, 
with all these expatriates coming in on defense, he was never going to make it work. And, and, and still, the defense is atrocious. Like, even with Jamie Collins, Deron Harmon, Danny Shelton, Trey Flowers, who all know Matt Patricia, who all know the Patriot way, um, it's still it's still really, really poor. And, and that's putting it mildly. You know, it, it's one of the worst. I've watched a lot of bad Lions football in my lifetime. This defense <laughs> is the worst defense since the 0-16 team. So how long have you been a how long have you been a Lions fan? Uh, from birth. From birth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you see, my family come from Detroit, so it's it's ingrained. You know what I mean? It's it's. Yeah, no, I can imagine that's uh, that's quite a tough thing to have been born into. Um, so with, with Matt Patricia gone, how do you how do you see the rest of the season going? Do you think it's going to improve or do you think it's going to get worse? Are you going to tank the rest of the season and go for a better draft pick or what do you think? I mean, the last four games they've got, obviously Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Tennessee, and Minnesota. The line, even even if they weren't necessarily tanking, they, they they probably won't win any of those games. They might beat Minnesota if Dalvin Cook misses out in Week 17. But the Tennessee, Tampa Bay, and Green Bay games, they're not going to win. Um, from a Daryl Bevel point of view, I think he has a chance to show that he can be next year's offensive coordinator. I don't think. He's in the running for head coach unless the Lions win out and make the playoffs, which again is almost zero chance of that happening. But I do think he might have a chance of staying as offensive coordinator if Robert Sala, who looks like to be the favourite for the job, comes in. So offensively, I think this should be better. Defensively, it's going to need an overhaul. That unit just needs a complete redesign. It's basically like watching the 1980s New York Giants without Lawrence Taylor. But in 2020, you know, it's it's just, it, it's too slow. They tackle poorly. And, and, and when Mitchell Trubisky puts 30 points on you, you just know it's not it's, it's not good enough. You know, it's, 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 it is what it is now. So from a defensive point of view, they'll still struggle. Offensively, they can get better. You know, they should get better, really. So what's the... Uh, Sorry, James, on you go. Do you see Matthew Stafford sticking around? Obviously, there's been rumours that, that this might well be his last season in Detroit. Obviously, that's an issue. But if it is a rebuild, do you, do you see them staying staying there? This is where I think they need to get the GM higher, nailed as quickly as possible. Because, in my opinion, the Lions are still two or three years away at best from being like a playoff contender, not a team that sneaks nine and seven and then gets blown out in the wild card round. So they're two to three years. Stafford's 32 now. He spent a lot of time taking hits and getting beaten up and ultimately losing. Um, I think if he wants to go, he'll go. And I think there is a market for him. Um, I could see him ending up at Indianapolis if Rivers calls it a day. Because he can still play. He's still an elite quarterback. But he just he got lionized. You know, He ended up in the Detroit. Like he, he didn't deserve to come here. Well, it's gone there as a punishment. Um, so, who, who, sorry, what sort of position do you think you need uh, as your priority in, in the next draft? Uh, either an edge rusher or a linebacker. Micah yeah. Parsons or yeah, Micah Parsons or Gregory Russo. Um, I think even if Stafford wanted to go, you know, you could draft maybe someone like a Jamie Newman or a Sam Howell or someone of that ilk in the second round. Um, 
because I don't, I can't see any team offering a first for Stafford unless they were really desperate. Like unless they believed if we get this guy, we're going to win a Super Bowl. I can't see anyone offering them a first because teams just don't do that. But I do think defensively they need they need like like a Miles Garrett, a Nick Bosa, a Joey, that type of violent pass rusher. So you're saying you need a bit, bit more fire in the in the D line then? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's there's decent players like John Penasini is a good run stuffer. Trey Flowers is good for what he is. He's a power rusher, but I've always thought power rushers are good with a speed rusher on the other side. Um, Romeo Quara is decent, like he's a journeyman rusher, but he's not that next level X factor pass rusher that your elite kind of competing teams have had. You know, over the past few teams that have won Super Bowls, they had Von Miller or Nick Bosa got to a Super Bowl. Um, D Ford at Kansas City. So you need that type of player, particularly in today's NFL. And I think Flowers would be better for that because a lot of teams double up on Trey Flowers, you know, and he's kind of nullified and the rest of the defensive line just isn't good enough. No, that uh, all makes complete sense to me. Like, I mean, there's nothing there that I, that I couldn't possibly disagree with. Um, as far as like who your, your dream sort of GM or uh, head coach is, who, who, you, who would you like to see in the frame? Um, I mean, GM is tricky, like, just because it's so hard to know whether someone will be... It's one of them strange circumstances where you don't actually know if they're going to be good or not when they go in. But from what I'm hearing from the other side of the Atlantic, the Lions are pretty high on Robert Sala, and they'll probably hire Sala first before they hire a GM. Do you think that's that's a mistake? Just well, I think that's a mistake. Personally, no, because again, like in the history of the Lions, they typically hire a GM who then hires a head coach, and the GM and the head coach are kind of wedded together, like what Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn were. Mm-hmm. I don't. If 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 Robert Sala's their guy, and, and I've you know two years at the 49ers, I've seen no reason to suggest that he isn't the guy. Um, I have no problem with them saying he's our guy, he's going to be the head coach and then we'll see who wants to be GM afterwards. Um, which in that case, I think it would be Adam Peters, who I think is the executive assistant to John Lynch at the 49ers. Um, if it was my decision, I'd go for Jeff Island from the New Orleans Saints. I mean, you look at his 2017 and 2018 drafts, Trey Hendrickson, Marshawn Lattimore, Alvin Kamara, Trey Quan Smith. He had a home run for a draft that year. Um, and they've been able to rebuild around a veteran quarterback, a legendary quarterback. If, if that's the, that would be my plan. I still think Stafford has two to three years, and you can quickly turn the team around, but you need that kind of aggressive GM. But for me, Jeff Island and Robert Sala would be the dream pairing. So you're not planning on uh, you know putting all your hopes on a, a sort of Bill O'Brien situation? They've got a terrible GM and, a, and an average head coach in both positions. No, 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 no. I, I wouldn't. The only way I'd, I'd take that deal is if it was one of the college guys like a Lincoln Riley or a Matt Campbell that wanted that power um, because they've got the head coach and experience and a resume that backs it up. With Salah, yeah, he's had a fantastic career up to now as a coordinator and as a staff member and as an assistant coach and what have you, but he doesn't necessarily have that head coach and role. And I also think it's just too much to take on. for If you're not Bill Belichick or you're not Sean Payton, 
it, it's a big deal to be doing all of that as well as leading 53 men every Sunday. Yeah, no, it is quite a lot. I mean, I, I, um, my job's pretty pretty hardcore sometimes as well, but I mean, I don't think I could do all of that and more. You know what I mean? No, no, you couldn't. No, nah, I mean, I'm, I'm just one man. You know, I mean, I'm very bad at my job anyway, so. Um, <laughs> right, so, yeah, so how do, we, how do we see the score playing out? I mean, I've put down 46-12 for Green Bay. I think it's going to be an absolute washout, but how about yourselves? I don't think it'll be... 46-12. I think the Packers are going to score points. I've got no doubt about that. I've, I've got it around 41 to 23, something like that. I think the Lions' offense will be decent at first, but the defense will just not be able to live with Green Bay. That's just the reality of it. I've got a bit more, uh, a bit closer. I do think Stafford is a very good QB, and I think that particularly at home, Detroit gave us pretty much everything we could handle in the two games we played against them last. Uh, particularly that week 17 game when we needed the, to, to get a bye and get that, that second seed. So with that still playing in the back of my mind, I've gone for a bit of a tighter game. I think it's going to be a bit of a shootout with the Packers edging it to a 34 to 27. All right, so I'm probably going to back you on that one, James, because you've got the last three or four within a lot closer than me, but I'm, I'm a total, uh, I'm a dreamer. You know what I mean? I just like to see big numbers going up. So, um, you're right. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? Uh, maybe not so much for Dave, but certainly for us. Um, right, Dave, I am, I'm, I'm used to losing. It doesn't make a difference. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it really doesn't make a difference. If it was a Super Bowl, I could understand, but a week 14 game in a season where nothing's going to change, it is what it is. All right, so Dave, last, last week we had uh, the Falcons-Saints game as our game of the week. Now, I didn't actually watch any of this because... Uh, I was working, but it finished 21-16 to the Saints. Uh, yeah, 21-16 to the Saints. And did anybody actually watch any of it to, to make any comments? No, I did. Um, strange enough, in one of my writing jobs, I actually cover the Saints. Um, and I'm a big Breeze fan. Yeah, the, the Saints right now, they might be the best team in the NFL, even with Taysom Hill as, as, as the quarterback. Um, that defense is playing at a ridiculous level now. It is Trey Hendrickson and Cam Jordan on the edges just get after every quarterback. They seem to play the last. Since the Tampa Bay game, um, where they humiliated Brady, you've got Onya Mata and Sheldon Rankins in the middle. Demario Davis is tackling everything in the middle of the field. And then Marshall Lattimore's back from his all-pro best what he was a few years ago. They can win the Super Bowl with Taysom Hill. And I think right now, they are a level above everybody else in the NFC. I'd be intrigued to see how they get on against sort of slightly higher competition. Obviously, since Taysom Hill's come in, they played the Falcons twice uh, and, and then the, the Broncos without a QB. Obviously, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No doubt that defence is legit. Yeah, I'd made an argument earlier. Probably, the, you could argue it's one of the best, if not the best in, in the league. I'd still, I'd worry about them uh, in the playoffs with, with Taysom Hill. Obviously, he had two pretty bleak fumbles in that game, uh, which led the, the Falcons right back into it late. And it'd be interesting to see how, how they get on, particularly if they have to come somewhere like Green Bay in the elements. But that's the thing. That's, that's, if the season ended today, obviously, they'd be the one seed. As good as the Saints are, I don't think they can go on the road without the bye and have to go to somewhere like Green Bay or have to go to somewhere like Seattle and win. For me, I think they have to have... The, like For other teams, don't get me wrong, the one seed is it's brilliant to have. You get the week off. Everybody else is knocking 10 bells out of each other. Um, 
but for them, it, 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 it's huge. With, with the last three years, they've lost in the playoffs, not because they've choked or anything. They just look tired. You know, that, that team is it's inexperienced or old, call it what you want, but they've gotten tired. Same with the Rams game, the Vikings game last year, the, the Minnesota Miracle game. They're tired late on in all three games. They need the buy more than any other team. And what I will say is, I don't think they can win it without the buy. I don't think they can win the Super Bowl without the buy week. You're saying they're tiring early in all these games. Do you think that's because the because of the play calling? They, they, they too much energy in the play calling, or what? Do you think there's something else there? No, I, I just think it's 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 like in in those three playoff defeats they've had. I think it's more just maybe not a physical tire, but a mental tire. Like as well in those three previous seasons, they kind of ran through the NFC South pretty easily. And they've run through most of the regular season fairly comfortably. And then they've come slap bang into a playoff game with a huge amount of pressure on. And, and I just don't think... I think Breeze is, in the last three years, in the playoffs anyways, he's lost, he's lost a little bit of, of, of what he had maybe five years ago, what he has been in the regular season. Like, I honestly believe Taysom Hill probably wins that game against Minnesota last year. So I think for them, as well with there being only one bye, I think it's so important for New Orleans. If, if they can get people like Malcolm Jenkins a rest and a breather, Demario Davis a rest and a breather, it gives you more time to get Breeze back because he's got 11 broken ribs. For them, it's more important than anybody else. I don't think it's a play-calling thing. I, I just think it's much more of a mental kind of baggage thing that they're carrying. So how, how, do, you, how do you see them getting past that then? You've got to win a playoff game. You know, like, like that's all... You know, it sounds daft, but if they get the bye and they end up playing a wild card team or they end up playing the NFC East team at home at the Superdome, the only way you're going to get past that and put those demons behind you is just just go and win the game. You know, and, and there's going to be three years of pent-up pressure. You know, they sort of won the Super Bowl in 2018. They were probably the best team in the NFC last Well, up there with the 49ers last year and then let the Vikings do what the Vikings wanted to do. Um, so you're just going to have to put all those demons aside. I think they need Breeze back, though. I don't know if Taysom Hill... He might feel the pressure. He might not feel the pressure. He seems like a pretty relaxed character. But a playoff game in New Orleans when you've had three years of near misses is completely different. Yeah, no, that, that all makes complete sense. Um, right, so looking ahead to next week then, um, I just picked this for us, James, just because I felt like taking a bit of control, you know. Um, we went for the Browns-Ravens, which has just been moved to the Monday Night Football game. I think that's going to be a, a, like, a bit of a ding-dong game because both teams are in the, like, potentially the hunt for the playoffs behind the Steelers in the division. Um, and it depends on which Baker turns up if the, the, the Browns' elite running game turns up or, like, Lamar's looking like a shadow of, of his uh, season last season. Like, I mean, does anybody else have any thoughts on that? It's the biggest game the Cleveland Browns have had since they came back into the league. Big same in that. But you, you make a big argument. Obviously, they hate the Ravens. They, yep. they sell their team, uh, ultimately speaking. So, that there's a lot of animosity there. And the Browns, when they have been mediocre, they seem to never be able to get over the line against either the Ravens or the, or the Steelers. So I think it would represent a really sort of true milestone in their, in their development, becoming a sort of an elite player in the, the AFC if they can get past the, the Ravens. They're at home, but dumped by them in, in week one. So it, it definitely would, is a huge sort of 
momentum game. Obviously, if they lose, you think same old, same old Browns. You know, they can beat the lower reaches of the, of the league. Obviously, and against the Titans is a big one, but it was a bit of a strange game on the whole. Uh, but if they can back up a, a win on the road against Titans with a big vision against the Ravens, I think it does really prove their legitimacy as a potential sort of AFC powerhouse moving forward. Yeah, I mean, uh, I completely forgot about the absolute destruction on week one, to be honest. I don't know how. I didn't even look it up, but it was uh, pretty embarrassing for the Browns. And they, they, they seem to have improved every week since. Um, obviously, Baker is Baker. He comes and he goes and he's hot and he's cold. And it depends if someone said that his, his shoes are stupid this week. Depends if he's going to play next week or not, you know. Um, they've looked so much better since Nick Chubb came back. I, I, I thought I would be hard-pressed to find anyone who would argue that as the probably the turning point and the little run they've gone on. Um, so I've I personally put down for a Browns victory. I don't know about you guys, but I think I see the Ravens winning out. I mean I've I've been pretty high on the Ravens all season. Picked them to, to go to the AFC Championship game. This sort of middle segment of the season they've been obviously pretty disappointing. Uh, but last night, I mean it was only the Cowboys, but the running game got going obviously over three hundred yards on the ground. Lamar Jackson, particularly throwing the ball at the moment, doesn't look, I don't think, anything like where he was this, at this point last season when he was obviously bumping away to, to an MVP title. But he's still an elite threat with his legs. And that Brown game, you know, it's so difficult to prepare for just because you're not going to come up against that very often. I mean, the Browns quite similar a lot of this season. They've relied very heavily, obviously, as you mentioned, on Chubb and Hunt. But most teams, you know, they, they, do, they rely much more on the pass. So, because of that difficulty to, to prepare for, I, I personally, I just think the Ravens will edge it. I would prefer the Browns. What about yourself, Tabe? Who, who are you picking for this one? Yeah, I think Baltimore edge it just. I think it'll be very close. I think it'll be a physical game, like be a game from about 30 years ago. But they've got a decent secondary, Baltimore, ball hawk and secondary. I've just got a, I got a feeling Vega will have one or two kind of costly turnovers that will cost them the game. I think it'll be close, but I think Baltimore will sneak it out. All right, I'll stick by myself. I'm not, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna back my decision here. I'm gonna stay with the Browns, despite your uh, all your very, very strong arguments. Um, so we will move on then. Well, right, MVP for this week, gentlemen. Who we got? James, will you take the floor here? Yeah. So my MVP this week. I don't think that I can make it anybody other than Aaron Rodgers. Uh, obviously, I try not to always put Packers players in these positions. I don't want to be too much of a homer, but. He's the fastest ever to 400 touchdown passes. He is an absolute G. I love him quite a lot. And he's my MVP for this week for the, the milestone you reached. I have exactly the same guy for exactly the same reasons. Um, I try, I, I'm the same. I try not to be too biased. Obviously, this is a Packers podcast. So like everything, I think this is the first time either one of us has put the, the Packers in the MVP. Um, well, I put the the fans in Mr. Irrelevant a couple of weeks ago for the death race for MVS. But I think apart from that, they've never been mentioned in these two segments. Um, tell you what about yourself? Who's been your MVP this week? Josh Allen. I thought that was a super performance on Monday night. Against like the 49ers defense, even though with all these injuries, they've kind of, are still battling. Like before that game, San Francisco was one game out of the playoff game. And it's been built on a defense. No Kittle, no Garoppolo. Most has been hurt. Swinney got Brandon, now you got hurt for a little while, and and he, he just dissected them. Like it was his best performance, I think, in the NFL um, for a guy that I actually thought wasn't that good when he got drafted. So I'm happy to eat humble pie on that one. 
Yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. Like, I mean, I've I've been pretty high on Josh Allen all all season. Um, I said at the start that he was he was going to be like an like an early season strong contender for MVP. Um, I don't mind taking a step back from that, but he's definitely next couple of years are going to be very important for him to be to, to to see whether he can be elite or not. Maybe not like Patrick Mahomes elite, but certainly like top end of uh, the breeze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if he plays like he did uh, against the 49ers, you could make a very strong argument. He's top five, top three QB in the league. The, that was a he's not played that well all season. Yeah, he was he was truly incredible in that game. Eighty percent completion percentage, four times. There was no picks. He just absolutely sliced them in half. So, yeah. And so, who is our Mister Irrelevant this week, chaps? I mean, I'd be surprised if no one else calls the same person. But you've got to go, Greg Williams, this week. I think. Jets had their first win. You know, they, they've been struggling along all season. They have the win in the palm of their hand. Seconds to go. Ball at midfield. All they need to do is not give up a touchdown. And Greg Williams decides, no, I want to be the star here. I'm going to call a, an all-out blitz, a zero blitz. When there's no need to do that, all you need to do is play deep coverage and just make get the end zone and make sure the ball doesn't go there. Does the opposite. Sends the house. Ball gets thrown. The cornerback... I mean, who's also called Lamar Jackson, funnily enough, gets beat on a double move when you know that the ball has to go to the end zone anyway by Henry Ruggs, who's one of the fastest guys in the NFL. Touchdown, they're going to go 0-16 now, and it's, it's all his fault. So he thoroughly deserves Mr. Relevant for me. I really like the fact that he, he did go for the zero blitz because the minute that was lined up, I knew that I was that five-pound bet I've got on for them to go 0-16 this season. I knew that was safe. So I was I was delighted after that. Uh, Taib, you're Mr. Irrelevant, mate. Uh, well, it was going to be Greg Williams, but I'll go with Anthony Lynn. Um, as a fan of a team that invent new ways of losing, the Chargers have gotten even worse. <laughs> like, like I don't even know how he's still like he's a good guy, right? And he's a, and he's a sharp defensive mind. But as a head coach, he's the worst game manager in the league as a head coach. Um, like the Buffalo game a few weeks ago. They had no timeouts and he called three run players after they caught a Hail Mary to get into the red zone. 45 nil to a Patriots team that isn't even that good. Having 10 players on one special team's play, then 11 players on another special team, then nine players. It's just, like the Chargers are a good team and Herbert's going to get like chargerized if Anthony Lynn's still there. <laughs> yeah, no, well, he only, got his, uh, he only got his starting job because... Uh... Tyrod got got charged by the doctors, didn't he? he had, uh, his yeah, case. that's what I'm saying. Like, 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 this is like lying shit happening to the Chargers. <laughs> you know, this, this is this is what's happening. They are like the West Coast version of the Lions. Oh, you feel bad for the fans, don't you? Um, all right, so my Mr. <laughs> Irvin this week—it's not a problem. Is it? Oh, that's it. It's an empty stadium every week, you know. Um, all right, so I went for for my own Mr. Irvin. Is I don't know if either of you two guys saw this, but it was the guy who emailed the Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, to complain oh, that the Seahawks yeah. lost to the Giants. <laughs> Like, what a guy. You know, what an absolute nugget of a human being he is. Um, like, why, why would... Like, I think... I can't remember his out of details now, but I'm sure he was complaining that the games were fixed because he didn't win his bet or something like that. Because, like, the, the Seahawks were, like, what, 6.5 under or something like that, and he, he just... He couldn't handle it. He couldn't handle the loss. It was brilliant. I loved it. I loved reading that. I've got to get it printed out and framed above my, above my desk. Um, sorry, go on. I say, funnily enough, one of my friends when I was at university, he was convinced there is a conspiracy linked with Sky Bet and his bets to football teams to lose. So I wouldn't put him out of the question that he wrote that letter. 
Is every chance it's the same guy? Um, right then, is there anything we have missed this evening, gentlemen? Anything else? No, I think we touched on most bases. Um, obviously, hope the Packers can romp to another win. Uh, it's a good chance this weekend to wrap up the division, and then we can start to focus on that that one seed, hopefully. Yeah, uh, Taib, anything anything you want to talk about briefly about just before we we shoot off? Uh, no, I think I think like James said, I think we hit everything. I, I think what I will say is I'm not sure the one seed means as much to the Packers as what it does for the Saints. I feel like the Packers could, well they already did in week two. They went to the Superdome and won. So I, I feel like and also if teams have to go to Lambo, it's just such a pain in the backside having to go to Lambo. Um, so I feel like the Packers are in a pretty decent position um, to make a run. Like I said, for me, I think it's between them and New Orleans for the Super Bowl in the NFC. I like that. Despite being a Lions fan, you're still pandering at the podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. No, no, I wouldn't <laughs> call it like it is. You know, like like last year, I, I, I hated that people saying the Packers were a good team. The Packers weren't a good team. They just beat up on bad teams, and then the twice time they played the 49ers, they got destroyed. Uh, the Packers are a better team this year, no doubt about it. Don't get me wrong. If, if Rogers is meant to be the goat, he has as many Super Bowl rings as Trent Dilfer does. So you know, let's not get into that. Um, and he has he has one less than Eli does. You know, so I mean, come on. But um, no, they're a good team this year. They're a very good team. He's been stuck with Mike McCarthy for too long. We saw, we've seen now the, the true reason. Two years from out the floor, wins galore. And you see Mike McCarthy goes to Dallas. And, well, enough said, less said the better, I suppose. I saw a stat about that. It was like, um, like Aaron Rodgers, well, Mike McCarthy with Aaron Rodgers was like uh, 23 and 9 or something. Something stupid. I can't remember exactly what the, the stat was. Um, but obviously his season with the at the Cowboys without... Aaron Rodgers shows how much better Aaron Rodgers is than Mike McCarthy. I'll dig this out later and I'll, I'll tweet out and everything else. And then, yeah, because it, it just made me laugh because it just shows how shit Mike McCarthy is. And the Cowboys are more than welcome to him. Right. So we'll finish up now then. And if, yeah, well, obviously, thanks very much for coming on, Taib. Obviously, like, oh, I know no it was uh, last minute. I think you've, uh, your Geordie accent wasn't a hindrance at all. I completely understood. Right. Um, no problem. Where is it that people can follow you on Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud if you're a rapist, anything like that, you know? Uh, it's just at Taib Abu1. It's my Twitter handle. I'm not on anything else, so that's all. That's fair enough. We'll drop a link in for that as well. Um, as always, you can follow the pack, uh, follow the podcast on Shuffle Shuffle Pack on Twitter. Is that right, James? Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, at Shuffle Pack. Yeah, we'll go with that. And uh, the you can email the pod with anything. Um, sometimes I check it sometimes I don't I, I forget quite a lot at shufflepackpod at gmail.com and yeah alright so see you later gentlemen go pack go go pack go you don't have to say that to you but it's fine mate.